All right, we are officially live. This is Mike Koenigs. I'm here with my good friend, Gay Hendricks. And we're also here today with Neil Patel. And I'm really, really excited about uh, this because, first of all, I've respected Neil for a long, long time. Brilliant marketer. But we're going to be doing something that's a little bit uncommon today. And when I say uncommon, we're not going to be just talking about marketing stuff. We're really going to talk about Neil's big leaps. And if you're familiar with the show. Um, we've interviewed a lot of celebrities and also some big name people and Gay and I talk about our own big leap. So um, because this is actually a live show, you can post comments and questions that we'll be able to ask Neil. But gentlemen, nice to be here with you today. All right, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Mike. And uh, welcome, Neil. It's I imagine you've seen the movie Meet the Patels. <laughs> I haven't. Is it really a oh, movie for Meet the Patels? Oh, you must see it. It's an absolutely wonderful movie. I can't remember if it's on Amazon or Netflix, but uh, it's by uh, a comedian named Patel who uh, goes through a process of having various um, wives proposed to him who also have to be named Patel. And so there's this long, complicated process, but it's absolutely hilarious movie and very warm-hearted too. I highly recommend it. I'm going to check it out. Very good. Well, one of the main premises of our podcast is um, based on the book, The Big Leap, we talk a lot about what were your big leaps that got you here? And there's another big concept in the big leap uh, we call the upper limit problem, which is how you transcend barriers to get to where you are. And so we'll be talking to you about some of that, too. But uh, just kind of to get started um, and to help the audience uh, get to know you, tell us about one or two of your big leaps that without which you wouldn't be sitting here talking to us today. So. The, the the biggest leap that I ever made, uh, not really ever, I've actually done probably one too many, but a big leap that I started off was I decided that I wanted to make money when I was 16 years old and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And instead of focusing on school and college, I decided to just go after it and become an entrepreneur and try to figure out how to make money through the internet. So I started that when I was younger. And if I go back, if I never even took that leap, I started later in my journey, I don't know where I would be. So you're one of these uh, happy dropouts like uh, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, other folks like that. You never really went to uh, college or anything? I did go to college. I finished. Uh, You know, I had a lot of students at my college during that time that were also employees of me and they were in the same class. So that did help get my homework done and stuff like that. Probably not the most ethical and right way to get your homework done, but (laughs) it is what it is. Well, one thing too, just for anyone who doesn't know of or hasn't heard of Neil Patel before, we better address that um, just in case. The way I know you, um, we know a lot of the same people. You're very well known for being a SEO expert. You've built a, a a business that's doing and has continued to do very, very well. You've built a great personal brand for yourself. But what else do people need to know about you that um, if we summarized um, your professional uh, life up to this point, how would you describe yourself or how are you being described? You pretty much described it. Most people say I'm an SEO or I'm a marketer or I'm an entrepreneur. 
there is no one thing that summarizes me other than like when I really look at everything I've done, I've just made a ton of mistakes and I've learned what not to do. And that's eventually led me down a route of what to do. And it's funny. It's, you know, when you start off your career as entrepreneur, as you guys already know, the early years is where you typically make the majority of your mistakes. And if you just do something long enough, you get decent at it. Got it. All right. And uh, I think we'll go a little bit uh, further, but Gay, I want to defer to you because uh, you put together some big leap questions that I think are super valuable and interesting um, that we'll um, talk to Neil about and then I'll uh, interject periodically. And then we're also going to be, we will talk a little bit about tech in the future um, as we move on, but we want to go through some of the bigger psychological breakthroughs first. So Gay, take it away. Yeah, Neil, what were some of the biggest barriers you had to transcend? Barriers in yourself, your own ways of thinking, your own habits, or just barriers in general that you had to transcend or get beyond to get where you are today? So at the beginning of my career, location was a big one. There was a lot going on in San Francisco, not as much as in LA. You know, Zoom, Skype, all these solutions didn't make, uh, weren't really around, they weren't popular. Um, and it was really hard to start a business, whether it's raising venture capital, dealing with employees, all that kind of stuff in a virtual or web-based environment. That was a huge hurdle early on. Nowadays, that problem doesn't really exist. You don't even need an office for most businesses. Um, but that wasn't the case when I first started off as an entrepreneur. And when you're starting off, uh, you're going to college or you're just starting off and you barely have the funds. It, it can be hard to recruit talent and people and all that kind of stuff, at least early on. Uh, nowadays, again, I don't think people have that problem, but it was a huge roadblock. Like, Just think about hiring people that you need tech skill sets, and there's not a lot of jobs that exist in the region you are, and most of them are in Northern California. Like, What do you do? How do you communicate with those people when there's not an easy way to communicate with them other than the phone? So you had to get through a lot of communication barriers um, early on. And uh, where are you located now? I'm in L.A. Oh, OK. You're still in L.A. Um, and if you look also uh, inside, what is it about your personality you think that either helped you get where you are or what were some of the elements of your personality that you had to work on or look at in order to um, get into the position you are now in your 30s? I'm very persistent uh, and I'm very stubborn and I do whatever I want. So if I believe in something, I just go and I don't care what people say. Uh, and I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and I don't really give up, which can also be a bad quality too, because I've lost a lot of money because of that. And that's just really helped me get to where I am. The other thing that's really helped me is I'm very analytical. Uh, I'm very data driven. You know, I constantly think about numbers. I can't turn that off in my head. And those things have really helped me get to where I am as well today. Were you always good at numbers when you were uh, a kid? I was. I never uh -huh. really had to try on that in uh -huh. English, history, and a lot of issues there. But <laughs> they have terrible grammar and spelling, but I don't really care. Good. Well, it sounds like the modern style of communication is pretty good for you with texts and things like that, rather than getting out a quill pen and writing long letters with it. Correct. I'm also a really terrible manager too. So luckily technology has evolved where it makes things a little bit easier on that end too. I didn't discover that about myself until I'd launched a couple of companies and, uh, 
I, I always say the first couple of ventures I launched had the uh, trajectory of the Titanic. They would start with great fanfare, but they would keep hitting an iceberg about six uh, months into it. And it took me a while to realize that I was the iceberg. My lack of administrative skills, my uh, inability to do management kind of thing. So as soon as I could invent myself out of that job, I did and became more of a solo entrepreneur. Yeah, you know, you you learn so much about yourselves over the years, and it's so funny. It's like only if we knew that earlier on, our careers and our paths of success would have totally changed. All right. Yeah, I've got a question for Neil and um, Neil it's it has to do with um, your ability to say no evolving that side of you because one thing I do know about you is you're not afraid to say no to something that look like might look like a giant money opportunity because it doesn't feel right or you don't like the values the person portrays or or something like that so I'm really curious about um, you know, that side of you and, uh, you know, how have you been practicing the art of no and not being attached to uh, money outcomes sometimes, or um, do you still struggle with it right now? No, I, I, I've never really struggled with saying no. And that really hasn't been an issue. So I don't know necessarily how someone could overcome that because I don't have firsthand experience other than you just practice saying no the big thing I did have issues with was focus, which is kind of similar to people who don't say no enough in which if I saw a shiny object and I knew I, there was a ton of potential there, kind of like the money that you're talking about a lot. And it was in a similar field. Sometimes if it was, you know, not in a similar field to go for, but usually it would have to be a close enough field. I would continually say yes and do it because I believed you can do everything. And it took me a long time to realize that, the key to success is you don't have to do 10 different things. You just have to do one thing really well. And I think it was maybe seven years ago, five on the being super conservative, but five to seven years ago where it really clicked for me because when you're, when you grow up, people always teach you, you need to do this well and that well and be well-rounded and a Renaissance man. That's all bullshit. Well, you really just <laughs> need to do one thing really well and that's it. That's good. Um, so that leads me to the next one, which is uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your evolution, your mind as an innovator and a creator. And um, do you have a process uh, for creation? In other words, are you a soloist? Do you, uh, where are you getting your inspiration from? And, uh, and, and also your motivation, the combination of motivation, energy, and uh, the innovative mind. Oops, did we lose them? I think we may have frozen there up go. there. Standing by. There you are. Did you hear that, Neil? Drat. Okay. Well, um, while we're waiting for Neil, just in case... Uh, must be having a little bit of a, uh, a challenge here. Gay, um, now's the time to be a great dancing bear for a moment while we, uh, <laughs> while we bring him back on. Um, well, I did have a, a couple of comments. Um, a lot of people uh, lately have, have been asking to talk about more uh, about the upper limit problem. And I want to talk about that with Neil when he gets back. But um, one of my earliest problems in 
entrepreneurial work was that inability to say no. And that stretched me out all over the place. Um, and the other thing is that um, early on, I kept sabotaging myself with I would make a little breakthrough and then something would come up and I would usually find some way like in the relationship domain to mess up so that either conflict with a person I was working with or a conflict with another entrepreneur or a partner or conflict at home. And I realized eventually that some unconscious part of myself was using those conflicts as a way to kind of slow myself down and um, create that upper limit problem of kind of two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. And that, oh, I see we have uh, Neil. Uh, Neil, I was just talking about uh, the concept I mentioned earlier about the upper limit problem, that tendency to sabotage ourselves when things start going better. And um, if you have any examples of that, or um, I, I want to ask about how you experience that in your own life and work. Can you repeat that again? The last part, I got the uh, examples of my own life and work, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, yes, we were talking about the upper limit problem, the tendency to sabotage ourselves when things start going better. Uh, like if you have a breakthrough at work, making more money, et cetera, like that, then there's a tendency to mess up at home and create relationship conflicts. It's whatever mechanism you use to kind of sabotage yourself and bring yourself back down. It's something that um, in um, in an earlier book of mine called The Corporate Mystic, we interviewed about 800 ex executives at the time, and we found that almost everybody had different ways of upper limiting themselves that they needed to get through. And I wanted to get your perspective on that and see if you had any examples of that that you could share with the audience. Yeah, what, what, what's funny is when things go well, when I was younger, I used to have an ego. And when I had an ego, I thought it was invincible and I would adjust how I do things even in my personal life. And I could mess up relationships, friendships, or change family dynamics. And uh, my mom taught me a valuable lesson one time, which helped get me over that hump. And what she used to say, and keep in mind, my mom has broken English. Uh, it's not that it's not bad, but it's not perfect. She would always tell me, don't have your head in the clouds. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's just like, what goes up must come down. You know, she's like, don't uh. be afraid and have your heads in the clouds. And uh, that helped keep me grounded and realize that just because things are good right now doesn't mean they're always going to be good. Uh, and my uncle actually gave me a quote, which is similar to that, what also helped me stay grounded, which is when things are going well for you, keep in mind that someone else always has it better than you. And when things are really bad for you, remember someone out there has it much worse than you. So Yes, things are gonna. You're gonna have your high moments, your sad moments, your scary moments, right? Life is like a roller coaster. You just have to try to stay pretty grounded and just remember who got you there, why things are going well, the time and effort, and just don't let it get to your head. And don't also get into the game that you need a change. And that's a big thing that we see, especially when people have success in business. We start seeing. Um, blow up with fancier homes and cars and flying private jets. Like, do you really need that? If it makes you happy, by all means, go and do it. I'm not trying to judge. And there's nothing wrong with it. What you'll find is what a lot of these things can do is also change who you are. It's just easier to live your old, plain, simple life and be satisfied with what you have. In essence, be content. 
Right. So I'm going to add on to that, which is um, if you think about, and maybe just for the audience, can you describe where your business is right now in terms of number of employees and uh, departments or clients, any kind of size things? But I'm curious, what are the upper limits challenges that you're running into right now, both personally and professionally? Where are you finding your um, pushing and pressing into a fear zone, inadequacy, maybe not having the right skills, team, ability to attract right people or, you know, whatever they may happen to be. Just curious. Yeah. Uh, business is decent size. I don't know the exact size. I know we have seven offices around the world, uh, well into the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees, multiple divisions. I don't know every single one. I have a CEO who runs every single one. So I just have to do my board meetings and then go from there. We don't really report on things like what's our headcount or any of that. We do track things like revenue, profitability, client happiness, customer happiness, customer success, all that kind of stuff because those are important metrics to us. We do track to make sure our internal team is happy. Uh, they're satisfied. They enjoy working here. But we don't look at a number like do you employ 100 people or 200 people. Uh the biggest issue, the limit I'm running into now is when you hit a certain size, it, it comes down to you end up having churn in your organization. It's just a matter of fact. I don't care how amazing your culture is. You know, people who tell me they never churn people, I'm like, it's because you haven't hit a big enough size. If you start adding hundreds and hundreds of employees, you'll hit a big enough size where you're going to start churning. It's just the matter of a fact. And the big thing that we're working on is the right processes and passing data and knowledge to any new people that come in. So then that way you don't have that knowledge gap and it doesn't, hopefully it won't take people as long to ramp up because when you're at a good enough size and you start losing players, whether they're key players or even just other people on a team, the last thing you want to do is take too long for others to ramp up because you really start seeing the numbers go down. Got it. All right. Um, here's my next one. Um, what do you think your next evolution is going to be and what's, um, exciting you, intriguing you, getting you super fired up that you aren't doing right now. And I'm curious again, perf uh, both professionally and personally or technologically, if you want to go down that, uh, rabbit hole. So you're saying, repeat it again, yeah, just so I'll make sure I got it right. So I'm the direct question is, what do you believe your next evolution is personally and professionally? Evolution as in like, where do I want to go myself, career-wise, yeah. personally? I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking about right now. Is it 100% on the business you have as you have it, the technology, SEO, or is there something else, the next thing that uh, you're thinking about, intrigued about, exploring testing playing with right now that's just lighting you up and getting you going there's nothing really unique or anything like that that i'm thinking of uh or excited of there's a lot of options and i see a lot of opportunities but it comes down to what we talked about earlier focus so i'm just trying to focus on what we have and make it grow because we haven't even scratched the surface we could be 10 times the size so i'm just trying not to get distracted personally though the next evolution of me is how can I be a better father? How can I spend more time with my family? How can I spend more time with my parents, my sister, you know, my wife's parents? Um, I spent too many of my years just cranking it out, and I still do. 
and everyone tries to optimize for net worth, but how do you put a price tag on watching your kids grow up? Yeah. How old are your kids right now? I just have one. She is 16 months. Oh, brand new. Yeah. So when I look at that, I was like, you know, having more money isn't going to make me happier person, but watching my daughter playing with her when I want, when I want is the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I want is a huge plus. Now, granted, during these times due to COVID, there's restrictions, but other than that, like, I don't know, it's a, something big that I'm thinking about. Okay. Yeah. I think the uh, two, two things that popped into my head, and uh, this is all about you, but my son just left home. He's 18 years old, and uh, he's in. Uh, a forest right now with about 14 other kids with no phones. So your evolution is going to be like phones and technology and when you're going to say yes and no and the social dilemma. Uh, And what um, wise man told me, one of my mentors is he get 18 uh, summers and um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that really profoundly rocked my world. I did my best to be as conscious as possible and be sure I knew my son, my son knew me. And for you and your daughter, you know, you're at that great point where thinking like you are right now is, is, uh, it's beautiful to hear. So Gay, I want you to take the next one here. I've got a couple more, um, but I want to go down another slightly different rabbit hole. I'm glad you spoke to the family issue, Neil, because that was a big discovery of mine when I was about your age, actually, is I realized that I was I'd been cranking so hard since uh, since forever, basically. Uh, I think I had my first little business in the neighborhood when I was like eight or nine years old and I'd had one little business or another. And then I started writing books and that led into other businesses. But when I was in my mid 30s, I realized that I'd been cranking and my daughter at the time um i was beginning to um you know show signs that i wasn't paying enough attention to her and so as she entered her teenage years and that was a huge reshuffle for me and so i'm really delighted to hear that you've made some of those discoveries already um and along those lines uh in in your personal evolution, your personal being a better father, being a good father, focusing on relationships. What have you learned on that side of life that also applies to how you operate in the business world? So one thing I learned by being a better father is don't be afraid of, don't be afraid to try new things. So I'm OCD. So like, uh, you know, we rented a beach house like a month ago, uh, us and a few friends. And I took my daughter to into the ocean for the first time. Me touching sand, there's issues, right? Like, uh. I just don't do well with sand. But little things like that, seeing the smile on her face. Although technically, when I dipped her into the ocean, she didn't really smile. She cried. Uh, but just having those experiences, it makes you realize that, Sometimes it's okay to do things that you don't like for the reward at the end and mm-hmm. just keep pushing forward. And that's okay. If you don't, you know, in most things in life, you're not going to like how you had to get to the end and it's just being okay with that. I've had to uh, confront a few of those issues myself uh, and I've learned a lot from them. Uh, I have a few OCD issues too. I don't like to get my hands 
wet in anything other than washing my hands. And uh, But it came to a t- time in my life when I decided I was going to just almost force myself to do kitchen stuff and learn how to put dishes in the dishwasher and take them out and do things that uh, um, that uh, got things onto my hands. And so uh, it's taken a few years, but I've got to the point now where it's almost like a a meditation for me, unloading a dishwasher or loading a dishwasher after yeah. a lifetime of not touching stuff like that. It's been a pretty big breakthrough for me. No, that, that, that's amazing. And it's so funny. It's like these little things, learning how to do them. Like for me, ironing is like meditating. Uh, and it's just really relaxing and peaceful and I can do it all day. Yep. I do the same thing. I enjoy uh, a little bit of ironing myself. It's uh, in our line of work. It's also good to have a few things that have right answers to them. You know, I live in a world where there's no right answers to anything. So it's good to have something like a, a shirt to get a wrinkle out of or a dishwasher to load that gets me really focused and grounded. Yep. All right. I got another one for you. I'm going to go down a little bit of a tech uh, rabbit hole with you, Neil, which is uh, I'm curious. Well, first of all, have you um, watched the uh, the Social Dilemma uh, documentary yet? I have not. Okay. Um, so it's on Netflix, and it's pretty interesting. But basically what it revolves around is uh, they interviewed a whole bunch of uh, founders of companies or people who wrote significant elements of code that have basically created um, you know, the platforms that we have today, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, etc. And, um, and the design towards creating... Um, uh, these platforms that are super addictive, et cetera, and, and the dangers. And it really was well done. You know, it's, it's, um, it, I, I'd say it goes so far as to say very science based, but they dramatized a little bit. My first impression was, ugh, I don't want to watch this. But once I started seeing it, it was, it was quite good. Yeah. No, no I'm familiar with what they talked about in the movie or in okay. the documentary. I haven't seen it, but I know enough people who have, uh, watched it. Okay. All right. So my, um, my question is, um, you know, you, you live in a world right now where, you know, your business is about building um, platforms, SEO, getting visibility, creating visibility for, um, for the most part, it's business is corporate, but, you know, there's individuals as well. And I'm curious, um, uh, again, I'm going to ask you two separate questions. The first one, though, is what, what are your feelings about the right to be forgotten and the sophisticated usage of data collection and um, the changes going on and how, um, you know, social is affecting uh, politics, the world. You've got a, you've got a young daughter and it won't be long and everyone in her class is going to have a smartphone. Our son was the last one to have one, but he literally, if from ninth grade on, he couldn't do school without his phone in class. Um, and, you know, like, you know, you're, you're a bit younger than me, but when I grew up and I'm sure for you too, freedom was a driver's license. Now it's your Snapchat account and having time to communicate with your friends, your lens happens, your world happens inside that lens. So I'm curious, both as a business professional and a father, um, what your perspective is on, uh, you know, sharing of data, um, right to be forgotten, some of these big things that are affecting society dramatically. And we live in an election year right now. Yeah, so 
I, I definitely believe if you want to be forgotten, you should be able to be forgotten. It's your data, your life, you should be able to control it. Now, keep this in mind. When you use these platforms, that service is free to you. Sure, they're making money off you, but keep in mind there's an expense for you using that platform. So they have to figure out ways to make money. The big thing I tell people is no one's holding a gun to your head saying you have to be on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, or any of them. If you want to be forgotten, you want your data removed, they should make it where you can be removed and your data is yours. But you know, don't expect them to do everything you want when you're using their platforms uh, because there's an expense for you being on there. And if you don't like it, don't use them. You can put down your phone. You yourself can control how often you use Instagram. There's a lot of things that are addictive in this world, like drugs, for example. Right. And yes, they're legal, but people still use them. You yourself are in control of your own decisions. And it's up to you if you want to make the ones that you'll be happy with or you're going to do stuff that you won't be happy with. Got it. All right. Um, I'm going to ask one more techie question, uh, Gabe, but I just want to find out if you've got something to interject here. Well, actually, I was going to ask a techie question, too, from a non-techie personnel. Neil, uh, what... What tools do you have or you use that you wouldn't be able to do without as far as on the tech side? Google Analytics is a huge one. Uh, Helps track data, Google Data Studio. Uh, It's your business intelligence tool. It's free. Salesforce, amazing sales tools. But those are some of the tools that we need for our organization. NetSuite, amazing ERP solution. All right. Here's my next one, um, which is actually a, a, an add-on to what Gay was talking about, which is, um, and I know you've got um, access. You see a lot of deals, a lot of platforms, a lot of tools. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. But what do you see as the next evolution between AI, machine learning, um, predictive uh, tools, automated marketing? Uh, what are you excited about? Is there anything in particular that uh, you're puttering around with or you see that uh or an evolutionary trend that you're super excited about yeah so the big thing that we're seeing is technology is going to start replacing humans even on the creativity side believe it or not we're seeing how ai i've seen some software solutions that are coming out soon where they can write content not that great but it can also do the creative part um and I think you're going to need less humans in the future for work, which is the shitty part. But I see that's where the evolution is going due to technology. And I think you're going to see a big change in which there's going to be a lot of people without jobs. Um, from truck drivers to be working in restaurants and hospitality. I think so many things are going to be automated where you just won't need people. It's sad, but I, I really do believe that's a future of what's going to end up happening. All right. And you're talking about like GPT-3 and uh, specifically? Yes. And, you know, they make it hard to get to access to all that stuff. Uh, but still, like, I know people who have access to it or who already misused it. Okay. And for anyone who doesn't know what GPT-3 is, it's, um, I believe it's OpenAI started with this, but there, um, it is a platform that can look at data, it can learn, and it can write. And 
for general purposes, it looks pretty convincing. I, um, there, if you start, go down the path, look for GPT dash three, just do a Google search. You'll learn more about it, but, um, you're definitely seeing some trends there. Um, all right. So I'm going to turn back to gay here. Any other, uh, big questions that you want to ask before we, uh, we wrap up with him? Yeah, there's an old saying uh, in developmental psychology that in your 20s, you experiment. In your 30s, you find your life. In your 40s, you build your life. Uh, You've built considerably big footprint already. Um, Where where are you going in your 40s? What's left to build for you? A family. Bigger family unit, spending more time with them. Uh, helping my kids thrive and succeed. I'm not talking about financial, but helping them thrive and succeed by just being good human beings and doing what they're passionate about and what they love. A friend of mine, a comedian, used to say there's no miracle about um, birth. The miracle is if you can raise a kid who doesn't talk in the movies. Yeah. That was Bill Hicks. Oh, that's great. I didn't know you knew Bill. Really? God. I love it. Oh, that's my a whole conversation sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, he's one of my favorites. And um, yeah, and again, I'm on the other side uh, from you, Neil. And I will tell you, um, it's refreshing, first of all. And, you know, my goal um, was always make sure, you know, I know who my kid is. He knows me and we can talk. And and just yesterday, he came out of the forest where he's doing something called Knowles. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. If you're familiar, uh. um, you know who Jimmy Chin is, the climber. He, no. He's a Academy Award winning um, uh, guy. But anyway, really, really fast. Is that the free free yeah, soul yeah. or something? The guy who climbs yeah. the Yellowstone or Yosemite? Yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah. the movie that scared the crap out of me. And he did it. And then he was, it was hilarious because when he was giving his speech, he was talking about uh, when he climbed up, people are, you know, just like, oh, how long did it take? Like they thought he hiked up, right? Or something like that. <laughs> or that could have been one of the different mountains or cliffs or whatever he climbed. But it was, it was hilarious. I, it was scary, though, at the same time, because like, I, I don't want my kid to do that. And it's no. like, that's too risky. Totally terrifying. So here's the tie-in with Jimmy Chin. This is kind of a weird little thing, but it turns out he's from my hometown in Minnesota, and he went to school with my brother until seventh grade, my youngest brother, and he's uh, a spokesperson for an organization called Knowles, N-O-L-S. So my son is away for 80 days in the wilderness with no phone, 13 other people, and he just came out yesterday, and he's been out for about 40 days or so now, so he's halfway through. This is uh, hiking, climbing, rappelling. Uh, they're doing a fast, a 72 hour survival fast solo. And, uh, the point of all this is he's having a a genuine coming of age experience and a little bit of dark night of the soul. He's being pushed to his physical limits. And, um, and, and the tie in again is like, you're in this wonderful place where you get to shape, uh, what's going on as best you can. Cause they all have big personalities. You know, your daughter, I'm sure is, if she's anything like you, you're going to, you're going to meet your match if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, if you project yourself beyond and think about, um, you know, how you want to think about your legacy. Have you given that any thought right now in terms of what's rolling around in your head beyond I'm going to grow a bigger family? 
Not really. I don't worry too much about legacy. I don't really care what people think about me when I'm gone. I know that sounds bad. Uh, I believe in just doing the best you can and try to be the best person and, you know, however people perceive you great. Uh, I just live life to the fullest, enjoy it, whether it's with friends, business, family, put in 110%. And then on the flip side, like I said, if people are happy with you for that, great. If they're not, so be it. You can't please everyone. Just along the way, don't try to burn bridges and don't try to do stuff that's unethical. Right on. Couldn't agree anymore. So, Gay, um, before we wrap it up, anything else that you want to ask or uh, uh, add? Uh, I really uh, just want to appreciate you and salute you, Neil, for having come a long way in a really short period of time. And uh, I really um, wish you well on the rest of your explorations, and I hope you stay in touch with us. Sounds good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, you got it. Appreciate you very much. And for anyone uh, who wants to learn more about Neil, you look at his name, just head over to neilpatel.com. Is there anywhere else that you'd like to send folks to um, share? That's it. All right. Well, here's the way I'll wrap this uh, episode up for everyone else who's watching, which is if you've enjoyed it, make sure that you like, you comment, um, and of course, subscribe. And if you are listening to this podcast from Apple iTunes, um, go over, make sure that you comment, share, and uh, leave um, a message for Gay and me. We do pay attention to and listen to and read. And of course, there's BigLeapPodcast.com. So my name is Mike Koenigs. I'm here with Neil Patel. It's been a great pleasure. And Gay, um, thank you very much. Well, I'm just looking in the chat column over here, and uh, uh, Suzanne is saying, Neil, keep being you. So I'd say the same thing. Neil, keep being you. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Suzanne. Bye-bye.